scripture reading I'd like to uh, call to your mind today is from uh, Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 22, and begins like this. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door to us. But he will answer, I don't know where, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. That's painful to hear. It is not happy uh, teddy bear Jesus right there. That's Jesus with attitude telling it how, how it is. We live in a time and a culture where everything is supposed to be as inclusive as it can possibly be. There is no aberrant form of life that should not be stretched over the whole tent of humanity. If you do it, it must be right. If you think it, it must be okay. If you feel it, then you, it's got to be spot on. The door, the gate, everything is enormous in our culture. And, and Jesus' words here fly in the face of that. Jesus says, you, you, you better watch out. Try to enter through the narrow gate. Years ago, I had breakfast with a guy and. uh Super nice guy, super charismatic. I used to be a pastor at Crystal Cathedral and uh, very, very active in a lifestyle that wrecked his whole family. And uh, he took me for breakfast over at the fill-in station and he says, you're very significant to my son who still lives here. And this gentleman had moved to the East Coast. And he pulled open his Bible because at that point we didn't have apps, we didn't have phones. It was like your phone was this huge, gawky thing. He said, what does this mean? Try to enter through the narrow door. He said, with me and my lifestyle, do you think I'd be able to enter through the narrow door? If I would have been thinking then like I am now, if I would have been more courageous then than I am now, I would have said, I'm not sure. Why don't you tell me? Interesting, right? Enter through that narrow gate. We talk all about how inclusive everything has to be. And here Jesus says, let's Think about it. What's the best Mel Gibson movie of all time? Braveheart. Braveheart. Have I got a slide for you, Braveheart, right there? Number one. Other, other Mel Gibson movies. Come on, let's hear it. What? 
Oh, patriot. Yeah, you're ahead of me on that. How about passion of the Christ? Not bad. I figured church, we could pull passion of the Christ up. What women want, ladies, not bad. Kind of a silly Mel Gibson movie. Or all of us who were raised in the 80s. Mad Max. Oh my gosh. Mad Max is such a good movie. <laughs> Lethal Weapon, right? Him and Danny Glover. Was Rene Russo in that? Yeah. We'll do Rene Russo movies next week. Those are great. <laughs> who said Patriot was right? I love that movie. I, I like Mel Gibson. I, I just think he's cool. He's, he's tough, but he's sensitive, and he's got the weird eye in Lethal Weapon, and he's looking at you, but he's not looking at you, and he's just crazy. The scene in the uh, Christmas tree, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. This movie was fabulous, and if you remember, it's set during the Revolutionary War. He's uh, teaching his sons to, to shoot, and they're going to, to initiate you know, an, an ambush against the, the British, and if you remember that scene, and I wanted to show it on a YouTube video, but I just didn't think it was tasteful enough to do it in church. Uh, it's up to you if you want to see it at home. But I didn't think bearing a bead down on soldiers was a good look for, for worship. But when he's teaching his sons to shoot, he says, aim small, miss small. Whenever I go out to the range with my friends, I think that. Aim for the middle, breathe out, squeeze. Aim for the middle. Don't jerk the trigger, Tim. Aim small, miss small. I think there's something to be said for that in light of Luke chapter 13. Aim small, miss small spiritually as well. Don't aim for the broadest possible piece, the widest possible door, the lowest possible bar. There's no blessing in that. There, 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 there's no meaning to life in that. To pass over the little bar. Hey, it's great. One of my dearest friends died on 6606. Went to school here. His brother and sister went to school here. He said to me a ways before he died. He said, if it's God's job to forgive and God does that job, then is it make it my job to be sinful? Because I know that when I stand before God's gate, he's going to forgive me of everything I've done. And I'm like, brother, it just doesn't, doesn't work that way. People like to think that way, that what's the lowest bar? What's the widest gate? What's the most open door? What's the least amount of effort that I have to put in to following Jesus to till maybe at somehow get in through the gate and everything works out fine? I've had people say to me, Pastor, how fast can you get to St. Joe's Hospital? And I said, well, how fast do you need me to get there? And he said, well, I have no sense of repenting or turning to God one moment before I have to. I said, well, you better then hope I catch the left turn on Almond Street. <laughs> right? Narrow, narrow is the gate. The people are here talking to Jesus, trying to kind of justify themselves. And, and, and as Jesus is, is speaking, it, it's getting a little harder to hear, a little more pointed, a little sharper. And the doorway is narrowing. 
the issue of who's in and who's out, when he was doing miracles and preaching all over Judea and Samaria, and everything was cool, and all the people were like, this is great. He heals Samaritans. He heals lepers. He, he, all these yucky people, he's done a great job with. And now it starts to narrow a little bit. And so they come to Jesus, and they say, who's going to be saved? which I respond, I'm glad I don't have to answer that question because the clock is running. What Jesus said in this text is the clock is running. We don't have more days to worry about being saved. We have fewer days to worry about being saved. Every time I brush my hair in the morning, I'm reminded of how many fewer days I had. Yesterday, I wiped out on my bike again, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Totally flat area, totally flat thing, looking over my shoulder. And all the sudden gravity had a hold of my hips and was launching me into the ground over the handlebars. I'm reminded that there's more days behind me than ahead of me by a lot. Right? The clock is running. And eventually the clock is going to get to zero. And Jesus is going to come back. We don't have a, 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 an infinite amount of time. And Jesus is reminding his hearers and us of that. The clock is running. And it comes in a couple different ways when it strikes zero. It could be like my grandfather who was older and had a heart attack and was dead before he hit the floor. It could be like the, it could be like the person who is broadsided in an intersection. And they thought, I got all this time. I got all this thing. Pastor, you can talk about the way narrowing, but whatever. I got lots of time. Do you? Do you? And so God plants that urgency in who we are and what we're all about. God plants urgency into the lives of his people so that instead of saying, I got all the time in the world, I'll do my homework later. Now is the time, and today is the day. So Jesus in Luke's gospel is on his way to Jerusalem. He's turned his head. He's on his way to the cross. He's on his way to fulfill his mission. He's on his way to redeem mankind. Jesus as well has fewer days on earth in front of him than he does behind him by a lot. And so everything is ratcheted up. The teachings ratcheted up. The attitudes ratcheted up. The severity and the sharpness of his preaching is, is all ratcheted up. And teddy bear Jesus is long gone, left in Judea after he healed the crowds. And now he begins to really get closer and closer to the cross. And as he gets closer and closer to cross, and the words set him at edge against the religious leaders of the day, and the crowds get smaller, eventually it's just Jesus alone. On the cross, by himself, so much alone that he needs a person to gather from the crowd to pick up his cross and carry it on the way to Calvary. He's gone from a saddleback church with thousands of people to being on his own in a matter of six months. It's hard to think like that. It's hard to think that everything narrows. Jesus does speak of that gate 
In John chapter 10, Jesus says these words. Therefore, Jesus said again, truly, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I really believe that to be true. And I feel it in my life. I don't have the options I used to have. And I kind of laugh at that. When I was young and, and, and in my prime, so to speak, I used to think, man, there's nothing I can't do. And now I can't even stay on top of a nominally moving mountain bike on a flat piece of sand. I used to think there was no thing that, that I couldn't figure out. If given the time and the right amount of people around me, I can figure out the problem. I used to think that I could leverage stuff and figure it out in a way that I could put pressure on somebody else to get what I needed. And I learned very, very quickly that I ain't very good at that. There's a point when you get to your late 40s where you look and you say, this is what I'm going to do. And it's the courageous adult who says at 55 or 56, I'm going to scrap this career for something else. But there's something settled in as life narrows and you decide this is what it is and this is who they are and this is how it works. Life narrows when you're dating, right? At least when you used to date, like when I was a kid. And my father would say, what? You've dated her for a month. Why don't you break up? Are you going to marry her? You're only 16. I'm like, okay, no, whatever. Uh, right? You date just to the point to get to know and meet people. And then finally, it's the one. And life narrows down to that one person whom you're going to invest everything in. Who you're going to say, the gate to my heart is open to you and the kids, and the grandkids, and that's it. There's only a few that can have the closeness that comes in being family, and life narrows in that regard. In terms of children and being close and defining what that's like and how we raise our kids and how our kids have this enormous world that is filled with all sorts of inclusive stuff. And yet there's a narrow band of God's word in which we train and teach them and encourage them in. When I was a kid, I had a choice of two schools to go to college. Cal State Fullerton, which was just fine where I went, and to UCI, which I wasn't smart enough to get into. Now kids start out here with 10, 12 opportunities for college, but it all narrows down to one and even then, in terms of majors and programs, and it all narrows down to one. And then you graduate from the School of Engineering or the School of Psych or whatever place. And, 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 and all of these things and all of these classes, and it narrows down. And career. You're 27, 28 years old. There's hundreds and hundreds of things you can do. And the world kind of works to figure out what, 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 what's going to select here and select that. And so education and training and program and friends and network and all of those things. But it all kind of narrows down 
to either a business you own or run or someone you work for or an understanding of what your gifts and skills are. And it, and it narrows from this big wide world and all of these choices into this narrow band. And that's where you go to work and what you do every day. And life narrows with grandchildren. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and you look at those little people in a whole different way than you look at your own kids. And all I will say is that whoever said, God gives you grandparents, uh, God gives you your children first so you appreciate your grandkids, was really, really right. And I got great kids. But there's something marvelous about seeing that next generation taking root and growing up in your hearts and lives. And the attention narrows. A lot of people can say, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim, Dad, Dad. But when crew says, Papa, everything stops. Play trucks, lay on floor. Oh, yeah. I just fell off my bike and I'm sore as heck. If you want to play trucks, I'm going to play trucks. And if I die right here, I'm going to be the happiest I've been in a long, long time. But there's that piece of aging and finding meaning in the narrowing of life, of opening doors in our youth and closing them in our middle and our older years, and figuring out how to gracefully and kindly live in that narrow way and in that narrow path, knowing that all the flamboyant things of youth have a way of being empty and the meaningful, rich, deep roots that are created throughout our lifetime are those which feed us and sustain us. And life narrows until finally that peace from John 10 becomes ours. Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. You see, eventually life narrows to you and Jesus. And it's on that narrow path that the God of all creation stands with you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. I loved you. I cheered for you. I gave everything for you. Welcome home. See, I don't really think life is lived way out here. That's some of the fun stuff, but the meaningful stuff is lived in the narrow way, is lived in the narrow gap. And the gate of Jesus swings open for you and for me. And who knows you better than Jesus? He marked you in your baptism. He said, I know you and you know me and I'll be with you in the wide days and the narrow days and the simple days and the hard days. You are mine and I am yours. And this morning, he gathers us around his table. It's a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine. But it reminds us that we are his and he is ours. And that in the, 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 the narrow banquet that he invites us to, he gives us a little flavor of this morning. And he's called us heavenward in life. To move towards a narrow place. To move in narrowing our values and our faith and our lives as we approach that gate toward him. And I love that he walks with us. 
Mel Gibson's sidekick in Lethal Weapon was Danny Glover. Life was never meant to be lived alone. Walking with Jesus was never meant to be an isolated experience. Even monks in monasteries in the middle of nowhere had each other. He walks with us and calls us to walk with one another as the path narrows. And as that path narrows, habits make a difference. What are the rhythms of your life? I would offer that the rhythms of your life are going to change dramatically in the next three weeks. When, where we live up in Serrano Heights, the, the, the Serrano Road hits Cannon. <laughs> and all the kids drive down and they go as fast as they can. And then they, they, they cut in front of you and they cut you off right in there. And, and I, it's, it's like my secret sports fantasy to have like a diesel truck and just park it there as they try to horn in on the side. <laughs> Drives me nuts. But I know that the rhythms of life are changing toward the fall and the kids are back to school when that happens. So I turn on my podcast, drink my decaffeinated coffee, and just watch it happen, right? The way narrows, right? Your rhythms are going to change and you're going to make decisions. And for everything you decide to do, you're going to deselect something else. That's just how it works. So what are the rhythms of your life and what are the habits that you engage in and make a difference for you. I would offer that you made it probably the best decision to start off your week to be here this morning and to follow Jesus and, and to let the love and the word of the Lord sit in your hearts for an hour as we worship this morning. And the relationships in your life, it's so hard, but sometimes our, the relationships are about us and about what we get from somebody else. Our, our, uh, all staff retreat had a speaker. We had a speaker, and he said, What if people came to serve rather than be served in your relationships? What if, as the road narrows, it's about what we can give to people rather than what we can take? And the way we think and the habits of our thinking lead us to that narrow way as well that we see the world through God's word. And that it guides our values and our decisions and our relationships and our lives. That it guides how we think and how we see other people. And then habits of what we do. Obedience to God's word. Stay on the path. How we make decisions that affect our behaviors every day. That lead us in that narrow way and lead us to that door. Best scene of the movie, right? Best scene of the movie. Remember that? Heath Ledger, his son, gets killed by that horrible British guy. And Heath Ledger's sewing the stars on the Star-Spangled Banner. And, 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 and this battle is in the, in the it, it, it's not going the way. And every time the militia uh, storms out, Cornwallis hammers them. And he sees the militia coming in. And the militia sees the British Redcoats. And, ah! And Mel Gibson picks up the flag, and he picks up the rallying point, and he presses forward. Everybody looks at that flag, and the lines hold, and he goes on to rout Cornwallis and the militia and the army. They go forward, and they beat Cornwallis that day. See, the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. I think one of the greatest lies that's been perpetrated in the last, say, maybe 15 years is the idea that individuality is more important than community. 
I think we need community and to stand with one another now more than ever. And that's what makes a church so valuable. So it makes being here so valuable. And we go out and have a donut, we laugh and we mess around with one another and we tell stories and we... And all of that is part of leading and walking with one another to the narrow door. In our spiritual lives, aiming small so we miss small. And at the end of the day, the Lord Jesus says, come unto me. Come into my rest. The answer to the question, who's going to be saved? Is all those who know Jesus are going to be saved. And that's us. That's, that's us. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Thank you, Lord, that we belong to you. Thank you that there's meaning in living a, in, in the narrow way. <laughs> Thank you for opportunities that we have to, to be reinforced in that. There's little glimpses of your grace and your goodness to us all throughout our lives. Little hints that you are there and little shadows of kindness and love that remind us that we belong to you and that we are on our way with you. And when that day comes, when that day comes that you take us home, whether it's this afternoon or a hundred years from now, we're ready to go. We believe in you and we know you and you know us for you've called us in grace to be your children. So bless those who are uh, struggling, those who feel on the outside of community looking in, Lord, wrap them up this morning in the arms of your love. That there would be no lonely Christians on the way through that narrow gate. We pray looking forward to your grace to enfold us, to speak to us, to keep us warm. Thanks for this opportunity to be together. In Jesus' name, amen.